Welcome to the Noggin Notes podcast. I am your host, Jake Wiskirchen, and the show is sponsored by Zephyr Wellness. You can check out ZephyrWellness.org to learn about Zephyr Wellness if you'd like. If you're new to the show, you'll, uh, you'll, you'll eventually find out that Zephyr Wellness, if you go to the website, is co-owned by me, and that is why we're sponsoring the show. I'm doing the podcast, and so we give a nod to my company. Zephyr is proud to be partnering with several organizations in the Northern Nevada area to bring innovative and philanthropic mental health practice to uh, to everybody. And we we really believe that you know in, a, in the spirit of a rising tide lifting all boats, that the more people we can touch through multiple partnerships and the ability to treat folks regardless of insurance coverage or ability to pay, then truly the entire community benefits. So. Um, check out ZephyrWellness.org, and you can also check out the Zephyr Wellness YouTube channel. And if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't downloaded the Noggin Notes app, we encourage you to do that because it's a great way to keep track of your own thoughts and feelings and basically make a, a mental wellness journal for yourself. This is episode number 16, and it's going to be another listener mail edition so let's get right into it. Um, actually, before we get into it, I want to I preface by saying that if you have questions about anything related to mental health, mental wellness, mental illness, psychological struggles, emotional functioning, anything that falls in that realm, please feel free to email us at info at zephyrwellness.org or info at nogginnotes.com. And the messages will get to me, and I uh, will perhaps be able to answer your questions on the air. The first one comes to us from Dave in Nevada. He says, uh, I, I'm a therapist, and I often get clients asking me something to the effect of, what do I do if I'm in so much pain, and it seems like I'll always be in this pain, and every time I talk about it, the pain feels worse. Why won't talking to a therapist just make it hurt more? That is an outstanding question, and I think it's one that keeps people from gaining access to care, quite, quite honestly. And to answer this, I'm going to use a physical or a physiological metaphor or, or example. So let's say that somebody has uh, twisted a knee, and uh, they, you know maybe, maybe just doing normal activities. It could be playing sports, or it could be on a hike or something, and they twist, they twist their knee, and it hurts, and it hurts, and it hurts. And they've iced it, and they've taken anti-inflammatory pills, and they've uh, they've stretched, and it still continues to hurt. And several weeks have gone by, and it still continues to hurt. And they say, I don't want to go to the doctor because I don't want to end up learning that I have a torn ligament in my knee, and then I'll have to have surgery, and the surgery is going to hurt more. It's going to put me on the couch for a little while. I may have to miss work. I just don't know if I can tolerate enduring more pain than what I'm already going through. And I get that. That's a completely legitimate argument. I get that people don't want to rise to the next level of pain because pain is difficult. It's uncomfortable. Similarly with psychological pain, it's very difficult and uncomfortable to explore the depth of what that pain could represent, especially knowing that, that maybe you have some ownership in, in uh, doing something to fix it. So with a twisted knee, the ownership would be undergoing the rehabilitation process following the surgery, uh, strengthening the leg back up again, and then, uh, you know, quite frankly, being mindful of what type of activities you participate in. So there's a, there's a personal ownership that has to come along with that. There's an accountability. And in psychological pain, there's an ownership that comes along with having to acknowledge that although the pain that may have been inflicted upon you is not your fault, you are responsible for how often and how long you 
you return to that the moment that you know is aggrieving you. I definitely have control over my thoughts, and if I if I choose to, as I knock over my microphone, that's super professional. Uh, if I if I choose to return repeatedly to some moment of my past that has has caused me pain, whether it's an abandonment or it's a, it's a disappointment, like a failure of some sort, or maybe somebody really just just violated me. They they hurt me. Um, they broke my trust. If I mentally return to that. I'm, I'm doing a, a whole bunch of things. I'm, I'm, I'm giving that dead moment of the past a lot more power than it really deserves. And I'm also taking myself out of the present, which means I'm not able to enjoy my life as it is because I'm too busy reliving my life as it used to be. And honestly, life as it used to be may only boil down to one or two short short moments. It could be a, a series of, of events, a lifetime of, say, you know, abuse or trauma or neglect. But really... What we're, what we're analyzing here is the ability of the person to choose where they direct their time and attention and focus. So there is some personal accountability there. And, and let's face it, I mean, it's, it's hard to, to say, you know, yes, I am responsible for the way that I feel and I can do something about it. So back to the question, uh, wouldn't going to a therapist make it hurt more? I would say yes, absolutely, it will, uh, or well, it can at least. It can make it hurt more. And uh, I'll share with you something that a, a supervisor, a, a mentor of mine once shared with me, which is that a lot of people living in depression will tell you that they're very sad, and they're sad all the time, but really they haven't been sad enough. They haven't hurt enough to really go through the, the pain in order to come out the other side. Now, if you think back to the emotional uh, introduction series, the three-part series that we, t- we did on this podcast early on, I conceptualized emotion as a wave. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end. And if you never really make it to the middle, you can't get to the end. And a lot of people stay kind of vibrating in that, uh, in that pre-middle emergence stage where they're not quite feeling enough whether it be fear or sadness or anger or uh, excitement, where, where they're just, just kind of high vibrating, it, just short of, of the peak, they'll never actually crest and go over the other side to, to let it go away. So I think, yes, uh, if, you're, if you're not good at tolerating emotional distress, you're not good at writing through that, that depth of, of real pain or that depth of sorrow, then you won't get to the other side. So it does require an elevation of sorts from the the mid mid to high level pain that you may be feeling to an even deeper pain, a more significant, you know, gnawing, heart wrenching, gut wrenching trauma, you know, that that says, "Man, this really, really hurts." And then once you've hit that point, the healing can begin. And similarly with with a knee surgery, yeah, it 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 really hurts to hobble around on a twisted knee. And it will hurt more to go under the knife and get it fixed. But once you do, now you're on the other side of that wave. You're on the other side of that hill. And the healing can truly begin. And you can, you know, you can relive your life in, in less pain overall as, as life moves forward. And, and quite frankly, if we continue with the physiological example of the twisted knee, uh, similarly in the psychological world, if you continue living in pain untreated, it can actually get worse. It won't get to as bad enough as it needs to for you to heal, but it will 
could create more problems, such as people will stop talking to you if you're constantly in a bad mood or you're negative. You're going to end up losing friends. You could lose out on jobs because you're just unpleasant to be around. Maybe it's a distraction and you can't focus. Your work doesn't get done. So my encouragement is to people who are living in that level of pain that they think, well, I, I don't want to, this is bad enough. I don't want to deal with worse. I would say, yeah, you should deal with worse because only that's the only way you're going to get through to the other side and push on to healing. You have to acknowledge it fully and embrace it, and then you can let it go and start walking forward in a healthy manner. Uh, thanks, Dave, for that question. I hope that, uh, hope that answered it. I kind of went a little long-winded there, but we'll get to the next question. Um, this one comes to us from, again, from Nevada, and it's anonymous. Uh, just says... Uh, struggling in Nevada. And I appreciate the pseudonyms. Uh, It makes me feel a little bit like Dear Abby. So this one reads, I find myself going down a road of feeling depressed slash anxious slash angry, and I can recognize how I feel, but I can't help feeling that way. How do I turn myself around? Well, I I love that that this, uh, there's a a really interesting thing I want to touch on here. I have repeatedly told uh, my clients and uh, my students and my interns that in in the in my ears the way that I hear can't is I really hear won't so it's not a it's not a lack of ability when we're talking about psychological function or someone's potential but what we're actually talking about is is an inability to uh, say uh, I have a willingness so when I hear can't what I really translate to that that too is won't unless we're talking about something that's of, of course physically obstructive so you know I I can't uh, lift this couch by myself. Okay. That's a, that's a physical thing that you, you can't do. You're not able to do it. But as far as psychological stuff, I, I don't believe that anyone can't do anything, uh, especially if they have the awareness of it. So this one says, I, I can't help feeling that way. And so I, I want to poke at that just a little bit because what I'm hearing is I, I won't help feeling that way because right on the heels of that says, how do I turn myself around? And asking that very question acknowledges that there is a possibility that you can turn yourself around. So I want to I want to I want to hammer on the language because I think language is very important. If we pick precise words that have accurate meaning, then we can empower ourselves or disempower ourselves. And by saying I can recognize how I feel but can't help feeling that way, it's very disempowering. And I would invite this this person to say instead, I can recognize how I feel and I don't know how to help feeling that way. Now, all of a sudden, we've got an empowerment. We've got a possibility that maybe we're not seeing, but it's there. So the follow-up question is, how do I turn myself around? Great. So here's how you do it. Acknowledge what you're feeling and then validate. And so there's a difference between simply acknowledging for cognitive purposes. Yes, I feel this way. I feel depressed, anxious, angry, scared, whatever. But if you don't embrace it, you can't wrestle with it and move through it. And it's only through going through that process that we actually result in growth. So simply acknowledging something, I can acknowledge lots of things intellectually as I look around my my house here. There's a lot of stuff I can pay attention to, like messes on the floor. I, I have a couple of young kids. I've got a four-month-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old. And, a half year old. and um, so the two-and-a-half-year-old is always leaving stuff everywhere. And then we have to get them you know, to clean it up. I can acknowledge that my house is a mess. But embracing that it's a mess and then doing something about it are two different things. So I, I, I can walk around going, I, my, my house is a mess. I know it's a mess. Everybody tells me it's a mess. I'm, I, know, I know what a mess is. I know what clean is. 
Then I ask, how do I get it not to be a mess? Well, I have to first go reattach myself to the mess, meaning pick stuff up, and then I can un- you know, I can detach myself from it in a, in a healthy way. Similarly, with our emotions, we have to attach ourselves to the, to the emotions or the events that cause the emotions in a healthy way in order to let go of them in a healthy way. A lot of times, it, you know, if I'm looking around the, the, the various toys that are strewn about my, my carpet right now, they were left there haphazardly. And a lot of times we have emotional baggage left in our life haphazardly. We have things that we do, we experience events, people are mean to us, very, you know, and so on and so forth, that we don't actually fully embrace at the time that it happens. And so what ends up happening is we, is we create a residue, and that residue just sticks with us. So in order to clean it up, we have to go and we have to face the thing that created the residue in the first place. I have to walk over and I have to pick up the balls. I have to pick up the little twirlies. I have to pick up the little um, you know, cars that my kid plays with. And I have to grab them with my own hand, acknowledging that this is in my control and I can put it back appropriately where it's supposed to go. And similarly, I can look back on events in my life. You know, People who have mistreated me, had my heart broken, had employers fire me for no reason – and I go, man, that that sucks, that sucks, that sucks, and I can I can keep being angry about it. That's acknowledging it, but doing something about it is saying, okay, this sucks, and I own it. I own the I own the pain. I own the misery. I can tolerate it, not can't. Notice that I can tolerate this, and I'm going to leave it exactly where it's supposed to be, which is in the past. And then I can move forward. Now, that's not to say that it's not just going to pop into my head every once in a while. Every time I drive past the place I used to work or notice a car that the ex-girlfriend used to drive or, um, you know, every time I pick up a baseball, I'm reminded of the last time I played baseball and I happened to lose the game. Oh, okay, I'm, I'm going to remember those things. But they don't necessarily have to have power over me. The way that I acknowledge that is I say, this thing happened. I own it. It's my experience. Now what do I want to do with it? Do I want to keep reliving it? And how do I want to keep reliving it? Because I can relive it in misery and depression. I can relive it in fear and anxiety. I can relive it in anger. Or I can relive it by saying, this was an experience that I had. I learned from it. I can now apply that experience to the next time I experience something like this. And that's the importance of emotional functioning. All emotions will keep recurring as different events in our life present themselves. If I fully acknowledge and fully embrace and then fully let go of after learning from one emotional experience, say the loss of a baseball game or the broken heart or the job loss, I can then say, I know what this feels like. It's useful to me. I can then tolerate the next one. But if I never do that, I just get stuck in this treadmill of reliving it and wondering how I can let go, if I can let go. And if I do it long enough, my narrative becomes a can't. I can't let go of it. I can't get out of it. And now I'm disempowered. So I would invite the the person who wrote this in and all the listening audience to notice your language. And every time you use what we might call extreme language, can't, um, you know, never, always, soften that a little bit, bring it back to the middle. And, and if you can, replace it with something that's more empowering, like won't. Because nobody's going to say, I won't help feeling this way. Well, that, well, okay, now you're making a choice. <laughs> I won't help feeling angry. Well, all right, there's nothing we can do for you then because you're choosing to continue being angry. As long as you move it into the won't category, now we're talking about a willingness. And as long as you have willingness, well, we can change whatever we're willing to do, and including being able to let go of stuff. 
Are you willing to let go of your anger and your depression and your anxiety as you feel them coming on? Can you redirect your, your mind? Yes, you can. Will you redirect your mind? Well, that's up to you, and that's a, a matter of empowerment. And that's something you can work on in a, in a professional counseling session, quite frankly. So I'm going to cut it off here. I'm not going to go too long-winded like I did on the uh, first answer. And uh, we've got some more listener mail. I'm not going to get into it today. I want to keep these podcasts short because I promised that to you. And I've already gone over 15 minutes. So I figure that's that's plenty. And uh, if you did find this useful and you want to reach out to us, I will give the email addresses again, info at nogginnotes.com and info at zephyrwellness.org. We'll make sure that those uh, get into my hot little hands and I might be able to, to read your questions on the on the podcast. So... If you found this useful and you want to apply it in a session, you can look up a therapist for yourself at aamft.org in the therapist locator. You can look up psychologytoday.com. You can look up a couple of websites in the UK, mind.org.uk or sane.org.uk. And there are lots of uh, resources around. You can just Google, you know, therapists in my area or counselors in my area, and you'll you'll probably pull up a, a healthy handful. So... I, uh, I thank you for listening. It's always an honor to be able to do this and to share knowledge with people, especially when it's uh, around the world. And thanks to our Noggin Notes team who are split between Cambodia and the UK and the United States. I guess that's an among, not a between, if there's three. And uh, thanks to my Zephyr Wellness team for supporting this endeavor and to my wife for enduring my time put into this as well. Thank you all for uh being with us and we will catch you next week. I wish you all great mental health.